listening to All Marine Radio, broadcasting from Costa Mesa, California, on the All Warrior Radio Network. Tuesday morning to you. Mike McNamara for a Tuesday edition of All Marine Radio. For the first time ever, broadcasting from Germany. Yeah. Ramstein Lahnstuhl Air Base in southwestern Germany. So, yeah, how about that? LAX to Denver. Denver to Frankfurt. Off the plane through security. Now I don't. Somebody's got to explain to me. Maybe Will and Jeff can tell me about. We don't do customs anymore. Is that because we have TSA now, and everybody checks luggage and stuff like that? So we just disbanded customs. I don't know. Because I went to a check a, a security checkpoint, and that was it. Yeah, I was like. Well, where do I go through customs? Where's the guy that goes through the suitcases and stuff like that? Doesn't exist. Went through the, the thing where they looked at my passport, my ID. Asked me why I was in Germany. And uh, they said, all right. Walked through. And I was like, I see signs for the rental car place. I'm like, what just happened? So maybe we don't do that anymore. I was surprised. So anyhow. Um, a uh, good Tuesday morning to you. Um, trying to get Will and, and Jeff and maybe Tim on. Not sure. Um, so we'll be able to, uh, I think, have a quorum here. And um, if we have a quorum, then then we're going to have a discussion. So again, all eyes, um, all eyes on Ukraine, and obviously the carnage that's just being leveled on the Ukrainian people by Vladimir Putin. You know, is uh, I don't know. I don't know the world that the world's ever seen seen anything like this live on TV. Um, maybe somebody can 
if they have when when somebody has got after the the population of a nation and you've you've watched it like this and um so i i don't i don't know if that's ever happened in the history of the world have you ever watched it like this i mean it's happened but have we ever watched it like this i'm not exactly sure but um we are going to have a quorum this morning so uh, without further ado, my privilege to introduce to you my friends, the Mensa Brothers. This was supposed to happen a little bit ago, but um, Jeff was ready, Will was ready, and uh, we we're going to go at 06 Pacific time. And I said, uh, I, so we had about what, 15, 20 minutes, Will? Maybe 25? Yeah. And, yeah. 15. And uh, I said, all right, I'll see you at the top of the hour. And I laid down. And I just woke up about uh, after about three hours. I just woke up. So with apologies to Je- <laughs> with apologies to Jeffrey and Will, um, but Tim gets to join us now, and he wasn't going to get to join us. So uh, joining me from uh, McAllen, Texas, uh, here via the wonders of uh, technology is uh, Tim Lynch. Tim, how's everything in McAllen? Everything in McAllen is uh, fine. Overcast, overcast, unusually cold, which is a uh, a real hassle for the local people when it gets below forty. But uh, yeah, it's not slowing down the border penetration any. But we don't we don't talk about that here. Not our problem. <laughs> exactly below f- below forty. What the hell, man? Oh, it's been a strange. Well, it's I believe that the that the Texas state meteorologists were forecasting a La Nina winter, and this is completely consistent with La Nina. Had lots of lots more rain, lots more coldness. Um, yeah, so it's it's consistent with what was predicted in the gigantic weather trend of the Texas State Meteorology Office, who, by the way, is as trucks has no truck with uh, with uh, the the world is ending type of dynamics. They are always stressing this is well within historical fluctuations. God bless them. Yeah, you don't hear you don't hear those words uttered very very often, right? Will says no, them, you do not. but you do not hear that very very often. The uh, and that also that the the globe has been changing, right? The world has been changing from you know if you if you take a look at what killed the dinosaurs and things like that, that was a moderately significant, right? Natural phenomenon, with emphasis right. on the word natural, right? Um, also joining me from uh, outside of Kansas City, Kansas, Will Costantini. Will, how are you? I'm actually oh in that's right location in New York. Yeah. At an undisclosed location. So, how was the, how was the rest of the trip? Give us a little su- summation of uh, gas prices and the uh, road conditions from uh, last we talked to you. You were in what Ohio, uh, Eastern Illinois? Yeah, I was in Eastern Ohio. Yeah, uh, you know, funny Eastern Ohio, um, probably twenty five miles outside of uh, Columbus, heading east on I seventy which goes to Wheeling, West Virginia, all of a sudden Ohio State troopers in the median at every crossover point. And then there's people up on the uh, overpasses waving flags and stuff. And none of the troopers had their radar on. I got a radar detector. So they were monitoring something. And then going into Wheeling, there's a bridge down there that all of a sudden I got into a 10-mile-long traffic jam. And I thought maybe the convoy, the Freedom Convoy, had jammed things up. When I finally got down there and got clear of it, uh, there had been an accident on the bridge. 
um, that jammed up the traffic. But it was just weird. All the cops out there, all the people on the overpasses. Um, but uh, the convoy had to be passed there because it was in Hagerstown, Maryland, I think, by that time yesterday afternoon. So I don't know what that was about. And uh, got up to Pittsburgh, and, uh, and then yesterday drove across uh, western Pennsylvania up into central New York. And uh, so... Uh, and why and what and what is is there a purpose to this trip or are you just are you attempting to yeah, de- no, no, this, dethro- uh, dethrone Jeff uh, as the number one son on uh, of the Mensa brothers? Well, this Saturday is my mother's 80th birthday. Oh, so, so you too. Right. Yeah. That leaves just Tim yeah. and I being the fucking shitheads. Tim? No doubt. Well, yeah. your mother's dead, so you know. That's a tough trip. No, my mother that's a, that's a tough trip to make just for the record. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my mother passed to back in the Yeah, I'd be I'm more than willing to go, but I'm not to that not to that party. Uh not yet. Yeah. That's um, uh yeah. I mean, that's a likely excuse from you two, but you know. <laughs> but we, we'll, we'll at least tolerate them. Um Hey, and I was I I think when when we did a sound check earlier, you know, I said something. Um so gas now uh, everywhere in Pennsylvania and in New York, because uh, oil's up seven percent this morning. Uh, regular is over four dollars everywhere, and I said, you know, th- I think there's a psychological thing that if if the price of gas goes from two twenty nine to two seventy nine, you don't pay much attention, but when it crossed three dollars, it's like psychological. Well, now it's crossed four dollars for pretty much everywhere in the U.S. Um, what is so if, and, if if three dollars was psychological? What is four dollars? I just think those round numbers cause a lot more attention and reaction, and uh, you know, we can talk in some detail. But uh, I hate to say, but we may look back, you know, at the good old days when gas was only four dollars here in the near future. So I know disagree with you. Triple, I saw a thing uh, earlier today that said AAA said that American gas prices are at the highest they've ever been in the history of the nation. Yeah, I, I, you know, post Katrina, unleaded crossed three dollars. Now Katrina was when two thousand and four or five, something like that. Two thousand. Yeah, there was a fall of oh five. So I don't know adjusted for inflation what that would be, um, but I remember it crossed three bucks in the immediate after aftermath of Katrina. So the um, and uh, wait, there was one other year and a little change ago. It was in the low twos. So yeah. I I, I want to ask. Um, I mean, you guys both travel internationally. I, I was surprised. I I land in Germany. Uh, in Ram in in Frankfurt, and um, get off the plane, um, grab my I, no. I, I on my way to get my luggage, I go through this security checkpoint where they check my passport, and um, and then I I go it's to get my immigration. Okay, I, I I go to get my I get my luggage, and I and again everybody gets funneled through the thing I went through that that immigration checkpoint right 
and then I grab my luggage, and then I expected to go through customs and have somebody, you know, go through my luggage, and that never happened. Um, is customs a thing of the past? Is there? And and it's not like I I got in a line that you know that said you know, U.S., EU, or something like that. I just got, there was one line, and then it emptied through one door. Um, uh, could you guys explain that to me? I was surprised. I, I, I haven't been detained in several international airports, um, such as in Dubai for having a, a rifle scope in my luggage, because it used to be legal. I can tell you that uh, when you're going through Dubai, Dubai, they don't they don't single out everybody to go back and have their their uh, their suitcase looked at. As a matter of fact, the only time that happened is when they detected a, a, a an EOTech scope in in my luggage, and then I got pulled off to the side. When my daughter or son would come to to stay with me in Afghanistan, there you know my son at the time eighteen, my daughter at the time twenty four, they always got pulled off the line and, and searched. But in Dubai, that's all about looking for drugs because they're there are all kinds of crazy about drugs in Dubai, but in others, in other European airports, such as going into Amsterdam or going into Italy or Australia, it's a, it's a, you, I've never been screened. It's, it's a very pleasant process, particularly for American passport holders. Very pleasant. Yeah, I, I think that they profile. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what I'm saying. What? Yeah. I, yeah. I got profiled. Yeah. You got unprofiled. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I expected to stand in a line. Oh, wait till you come home. Wait oh, yeah, yeah, home. that's what. You'll that's exactly say, the point. Here's what you're going to find when you come home. Where, uh, where are you going through on the way home? Uh, I go straight to LAX. Yeah, okay. So I haven't done that. I know when you come in through New York, right? So on the way in, let's say you went to Amsterdam, and on the way home, you come through New York. Customs and immigration in Amsterdam, the people speak better English than the customs and immigration in New York when you come in. <laughs> they treat you absolutely true. They they treat all the people there much more civilly. They're pleasant. They're not barking at you. Now, when you come back into New York, and particularly, you know, you're in JFK, so they're landing seven forty sevens about every minute and a half. So there's hundreds and hundreds of people in there and you feel like you're in Lagos, Nigeria you know, or Caracas or something like that. It's a foreign experience to you. So LAX, who knows what it's like there. No, I went through LAX coming in out of Dubai, and it was, uh, as as I remember, the um, the crowding wasn't as bad as coming in through New York because I've done that too. That's a nightmare. But the, uh, the, the uh, immigration folks were much, much sharper, and um, they, they were, they, you know, you're – they, they were perfectly decent to me, but I went under some intense questioning and then had to demonstrate how much cash I was carrying. They wanted to see that, too. Well, but that was a contractor probably, coming out of Afghanistan. 70, yeah. 80, 90 percent of my time coming in either to D.C. or New York, I'm on some sort of government passport. Diplomatic sometimes, official other times. It didn't mean jack shit to those people. It was, yeah. uh, you know. They, they they are the bureaucracy's willing accomplices. We put a badge on them, and boy, they loved it. So, yeah, I had, uh, and it didn't seem to be any kind of effective in stopping anything. So, anyway, no. LAX may be different. It's all a bunch of Californians. They're very 
Very it, kind and gentle and loving. It's one of those things that makes it depressing to be an expat. Is you're treated so well everywhere but your own country. When you come into your own country, it's like a fucking drag. That's why I was saying, don't ever fly on an American carrier overseas. The only crazy people would do that. Or, you know, somebody wants to inflict harm on themselves. It just sucks so bad compared to how you're treated in other carriers. Yeah, and I... um. Just just a quick aside, the girl sitting a seat away, there was nobody in the middle seat uh, of the uh, United Airlines. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was a big fat aircraft. It, seat, it sat nine across um, uh, in, in, in coach, much to me's chagrin. Um, but I was, <laughs> I was happy because there was nobody next to me. Um, and so, you know, I, we're just chit-chatting, and she says, uh, she goes, do you mind if I ask you, um, how do you feel about guns in America? And I said, well, I own them. Uh, I said, I'm a fan of them. And, um, and so we, we had a conversation. And then when we landed, I said, I looked at her, and I said, hey, I've got a couple more thoughts as I've thought about our conversation about guns. She said, she said yes. And I said, you know, I land here. And I mean, this part of the world was ruled by monarchs, right? And in order to pacify the population, right, guns were not, gun ownership was not allowed. The very invention of my country, gun ownership was fundamental to never, a fundamental piece of never allowing tyranny to exist in the lives of the citizens the way right um england ruled america when it was colonies i said so it is so interwoven into the creation of the united states right and it's so historically you know not a part of europe because europe had to be you know ruled and it was ruled by by kings and in order to rule the population they could not have weapons and so our histories are just so vastly different it is fundamental to being an American, the right of gun ownership. And she, you know, she's a very bright girl. She, you know, she lived in New Zealand. She's born here in Frankfurt, uh, lived in New Zealand or a few hours outside of Frankfurt, lived in New Zealand, lived in Australia, currently living in Vancouver Island, Canada, uh, coming home uh, for a couple of weeks before she goes and, and, and does some work in Spain for her company that she worked for, blah, 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 blah. But she looked at me and she said, she said, that's fascinating. She said, and you're right. She said, it, that is the way Europe was ruled. She said, but I never thought of it in that context. I said, no, and you have to look at the whole creation of, of, of America from that perspective. You know, we get into discussions about, oh, the, the electoral college is passe. The country would not exist without a vehicle such as the electoral college, which gave power to the smaller states Otherwise, you would only campaign in Los Angeles, New York City, Chicago, you know, you know, the major, you know, cities around the country. These compromises were meant to be inclusive to the smaller states so that South Carolina, right, would throw in to a, to a new nation in which Philadelphia and New York City could dominate it if, the, if they were structurally allowed to. So you see these these things that are intrinsic to the birth of America in toto. And uh, so, anyway, it was an interesting conversation. So I just throw that out to you. Um, Timmy, you want to start off? 
uh, last 24-hour news? Yeah, last 24-hour news. It's sort of like the um, um, yesterday in which the big uh, the big news is the failed evacuation once again, this time from the city of Sumi, which has been taking a hell of a beating, uh, as we are now growing uh, accustomed to once the convoy was organized and people were placed on the onto buses by the by the uh, uh, IR, the International Committee of the Red Cross, by the way, who had earlier announced they were leaving. I guess they're still there. But once they started doing that, all, all of a sudden, out of the blue, the artillery shells start falling. It's the weirdest thing. So we've we've got that thing going. We have now, I believe, announced another 180 from the administration that we will no longer buy the sour crude from, from Russia. Uh, where we will get the sour crude for our refineries remains at this point, uh, we don't know, although I do understand that we've had some of our excellent State Department representatives down talking to the Venezuelans about maybe hooking us up with some sour crude. Who knows? We'll have to see how that works out. Um, The other thing I noticed yesterday is we're getting a lot more information on two things. One is the performance of the Russian Air Force, and the second is what the hell's going on with that uh, with that stalled column? These are kind of uh, uh, inside the country, not outside the country. The only other thing I want to observe from outside the country, and I'm having problems finding it from my from my uh, uh, from yesterday, was an interesting article on Sweden and what the Swedes are doing, um, basically to arm their civilian population. Actually, uh, quite a few people in Sweden own guns. And uh, they're 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 organizing their civilian population as long as well as increasing military, increasing their military expenditures, expenditures and whatnot. But you, 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 this is again the reason I've mentioned it specifically is it's unprecedented that that Sweden would do that. They set out World War Two, and because they set out World War Two, they were the only European country with infrastructure to produce jack shit after the war, which is how they became so damn rich. I mean, well, they they did that. And on the financial side, Switzerland did that. So seeing the Swiss involved in this is 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 heartening, heartening. But again, yet another yet another country that is uh, uh, absolutely uh, uh, posturing themselves for for conflict, which, um, you know, is is not not the most positive of news. The other thing of note that I noticed yesterday after we got off, I rolled into uh, the Tucker Carlson monologue, who's talking about sort of what I've been talking about in respects that, you know, we're, we're being we're being exposed to effective propaganda that's that's got a narrative going, and I'm all about helping out Ukraine, but dragging us into it, not not the way to go. And and you know the the the, the challenge of strategic leadership during a crisis is remaining strategic. And that means, you know, awareness of your core interest and placing those in the center of your decision making. And 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 that and that being said, you got to you got to assess strategic leadership by the fidelity to the interest and consequent fixation on strategy. You know, this is this is this is what we got as is um, right now from from the Biden administration. They're, they're, they're not doing well at the strategic stuff. They're doing a lot of. Not awareness of our core of our core interests, all kinds of reacting and things like that. And what we found is we don't have an administration that understands what American interests are in to Ukraine. Me, to me, what what do you think you they know? should? What do you? Th- I I won't. I don't doubt that they're they're 
they're reactive, certainly. Okay. Um, I think though, here's another thing that the, there, there was an article about how quickly the $350 million of aid got there, something like 80% got to it in, in, in five days. And that was in, in the latter part of February and uh, maybe the early part of March too. It was, it was done pretty quickly. Um, right. So, okay, so what aren't they doing that you would have them do? Or what are they doing the, uh, that you uh, would the, have the, them see? Yeah. The, the the fact that we're that we're providing that much supplies that quickly is of course a function of our military and we know our military can do that. What I'm talking about is at the national level is somebody putting a break on all this talk about what's happening to Ukrainians and instead of reacting with fuel boycotts and and changing their tune about everything, remember as this thing kicked off, the taking them offline from Swift was 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 off the table. And what I'm seeing is the world against Russia when I think what we should see from our administration is let's back off from that. We've got problems with the regime, not Russia. Let's focus on what our problem is and our strategic interests do not involve dismantling Russian corporations, cutting the world off from Russia's fertilizer uh, 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 oh, I would, I would, I would, fu- I would, I would fundamentally disagree with you because to me, you sound like those, those, those. In my opinion, those fools who say we have to selectively target, right? We have to selectively target Vladimir Putin and the oligarchs, and this almost nuanced approach. The nation of Russia is making war, right, on an, on, on on Ukraine. Right. And to me, Russia has to feel the pain for that across the board. And and if you want to boutique it, if you want to nuance it, right, then all you're doing is, 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 I think, facilitating, right, and furthering because you're minimizing the impact on the Russian people. The impact on Vladimir. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, see, that's what I'm saying. Strategic interest, you cannot tell from the administration. Six days ago, we are not going to come no. off from SWIFT. Right. Cut them off from SWIFT. Right. Six days ago, we are not going to embargo the Russian petroleum industry. The president announced about 15 minutes ago that we were. Right. What is our strategic interest? Well, you cannot tell from the administration's behavior. No doubt about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my question. That's my question. So, 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 so six days ago... We were going to defend every inch of NATO, but none in Ukraine. We were not going to do no-fly. We did not want to get into a position where we could be in a nuclear exchange with Russia. Right. Where are we today? Fuck if I fucking know. <laughs> but I'm sure Joe and Kamala and Tony Blinken and uh, Lloyd Austin, you know, we, I mean, they've showed tremendous strategic forethought, foresight, planning, execution to date. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and my point being, Mac, is I'm not trying to be namby-pamby about, well, we've got to shield the Russian people or anything. What I'm saying, because I'm a military purist, we can inflict all the damage we want to on the Russians in Ukraine. All we need to do is step up our ability to do that. And I understand from reporting that our intelligence agencies are closely coordinating to provide that kind of support. We don't have to make this about the Russian people. 
I don't like that. I, I, I don't. I don't. I, I, I don't see how. I don't of, see. I don't see how you. It can't be about the Russian people if you lay the fucking economic wood, right? And you cut them off from the swift, you know, uh, system. And then again, all the rest that's happened there has been the businesses of the United States reacting to it. Nobody, the United States did not order Visa, Mastercard, or American Express to do what they've done. They've done that on their own. But again. I applaud it because done, to me done that on their own. Why though? Why? From emotion? From 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 getting in a strategic uh, uh, um, that 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 strategic trap I was telling you yesterday from from seeing from from a sense well, of I, well to, maybe maybe out of uh, out of a sense of social responsibility watching Vladimir Putin. Lay target civilians to the tune of we've never seen anything like this. We were talking before we came came on about. Mac, what, 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 hold on, hold on, hold. What Uyghur? <laughs> man, on. I, I know, but I know, I know. My point is, what we, we never, haven't seen that. We've I never, we've correct. never, se- we've we never seen it. See them slaughtering the Uyghurs. Right, we've they, never seen we it. We have seen them. Do it. I it's mean, ha- it's happened. On, don't be a no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. What I'm saying. What I'm saying, Will, like is we've never gone we, completely wacko. We've never. We've never. <laughs> we've never seen it on TV happening live on TV. We were talking about. You know. It, That's it, right. It's, it's almost like watching yeah. the, um, what, watching the Germans. But the the Germans didn't make war on the, on the civilian population, right? When they went into Czechoslovakia and Poland, it was they were military operations, and so these companies have reacted to seeing this, right? And again, no, I, 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 making I, making I, an I argument that the Russian people shouldn't pay, I think, is ridiculous. They should pay. Uh, it's their leader. But, but here's here's what happens when they pay. When they pay, we pay. It's just that fucking simple, bro. Where is all your urea-based fertilizer coming for this season's growth, uh, growing season? It ain't coming out of Russia anymore. That's where most of it came from. What about the oil, the deficit that Will was talking about? We haven't tuned all of our refineries for the sweet crude coming out of Texas that isn't going to come out in 18 months anyway, unless somebody starts getting awfully agreeable with the oil industry. When we pull this bullshit, we suffer our poor people suffer what do you think is going to happen when the gas is up at six dollars seven dollars a gallon holy shit bro and that's all because we have not so, so you're making you're making the case to continue to buy russian oil and to continue to well, do, yeah. do business do with russia oil comes from? it's a fungible yeah, sorry who gives a shit sorry man yeah hey, I, don't, Mac, I don't here's what i say too if your argument is that these big international companies feel a sense of social responsibility. Good God, man. Yeah. It's a, you, then yeah. Why, Will, why? Why would they unilaterally do because it? Because there is an, an implicit threat. From who? In the West. From, 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 from our government. For our one. government can't get out of its own way, Will. They don't know what they're... I mean, uh, you, but that bureaucracy lives uh, forever. Oh, the bureaucracy. What, what, there you and, go. And why, well, why do these companies no, go all... That's not a conspiracy. I mean, the Treasury Department... If if do you think the government would have the slightest qualm of doing an ex post facto uh, beatdown on Visa and Mastercard for staying connected to Russia? 
And they can say, well, you know, when we were still doing transactions, I think, there was, uh, I think there was these no embargo. Are, I think these are grand reaches in terms of cobbling together a conspiracy. I think it's an absolute grand reach to think that those companies feel a sense of social responsibility. Well, give me a reason why. Because why they're they afraid of the retribution of the United States? I think that's, no, I think that's, I think that's a, the grandest culture? reach of the morning. The cancel wow. culture shit. There's people that have left yeah. money on the table by... By, by posturing in politically correct areas, I mean, I'll never buy a pair of Levi's again the rest of my life. Fuck those people. It's that kind of corporate social virtue signaling that's costing CEOs in the bottom line in some areas. In some areas, it works out well for them. But, but you know, when you see these big corporations okay, so, acting so, in okay, any so, kind okay, of so, manner. So be the CEO of, of Shell or who? BP's done it? I mean, they've walked away from billions of investments, billions of dollars of investments in Russia. Why? Virtue signaling? No, it's because they don't that's trust Russia. Saying, that's different. Virtue that's, signaling. That's, that, that, that's, we're not talking for the bottom line. Yeah. They know yeah. that those investments are not going to turn out. They didn't do it because all of a sudden, you think that Shell and BP just discovered that Putin is a bad guy? Shell and BP have been doing deals with bad guys for the entire history of those companies. No, they figured out that that investment is never going to pay off and it's not worth putting another nickel into it. Your argument interesting, is that interesting, that ti- interesting timing. Your, your rationale has interesting timing to it. No, it, it, if it's an incredible coincidence. If, no, they look last week. And they heard the administration say, we're never going to cut off Russian import. Yes. Yeah, so so, they so, knew that so how does that signal that you have to stop doing business there if the American administration isn't willing to endure the ass pain? Right. But, but because those but, but you're saying but but that was the signaling multi- to oh, the listen, co- listen. that was the signaling there, to the company today when they heard when they heard a Democratic administration say we're not going to cut off. They knew. That that was a, a a paper house that was going to get blown down, and they're like, "Okay, the jig's up." They didn't probably think it was going to happen in five days, but they knew we were going to end up cutting them off. Absolutely, I don't know. That's, that's the exact opposite what the, what, that the administration signaled, and it surprises you. The administration signaled that we should do this, 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 and this in regards to COVID. How much of that shit was accurate? Exactly. Yeah, but again, so I mean, it's like you're, why you guys you are you guys government? are defending you guys are defending the initial positions of the Biden administration and say that's what we should stick to. Those were appropriate. Uh, I, I, what? What? Not, no, 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 no. I'm not. Yeah, you are. I, I would have been much. Well, I, I would have been much. Here's more, where I, would, I am. Is that I don't. Uh, Yeah, I guess my problem is I want to go further back and have the question about what are we doing with energy? Because nothing you're doing. Yeah, we're not there. We're not there anymore. We're we're, we're, we're beyond that. I agree with you. That'd be a very good conversation. We're not there. You guys are defending Joe Biden and his initial position of we're going to keep the spigot on with Russian oil because it's in American interest to do that. Careful. I have not defended that. What I have said is You've you can't take it. anything that the administration says. No, look, I, I, the I, no, I, I, I say that. is there's Timmy no did defend that. Lunch. Thank you, Timmy. Kamala, yeah, yeah, Kamala Harris um, and Putin. 
Pete Buttigieg came out uh, in the last 36 hours and said, well, we should just all have electric cars. <laughs> That's their defense. I'm, of course. I fully understand that anything related with petroleum uh, is potentially going to you know, blow the roof off. Um, when you get right down to it, for me, very personally, me, it's almost irrelevant. Um, you know, I'm not driving 50,000 miles in a year. Uh, what, what I would like to see, though, is something with forethought, i.e., if Putin does this, what should we be thinking about and doing in regards to energy or in regards to SWIFT or in regards to no-fly zone or in regards to any other single policy position that they've taken? Because so far, the transition from a very hard policy position on one side to a complete reversal on the other side, uh, the over-under is four days. Right. And most right. of the time, just take the under. Right. And, That's what's and again, disturbing and, to and, me. And we talked about we we're talk- dealing with a guy with 10,000 nuclear weapons who now. What, what signals are the Russians getting that they should rely on for how they should. Uh, look forward to a conclusion of the current dust up. And at what point are we signaling you know, this is something that's within their interest. Yeah, that's what we said a month ago. To we're pushing a fucking button to blow Moscow off the face of the earth because hey. we're on the other side of that now. Right. We're, that's we're, what disturbs me about, about all of this. The lack of consistency and measured response. And, and, and let me and, and, and let me tell you thoughtfulness and strategy. Right. And, and, and to me, the worst the US worst national interest. The worst part of it is um, it's all linked to a a democratic position on energy that's not in the best interest of the nation. It is simply a political position that he will not come off. Right. And yet, um, yet, no, no, you're right. I mean, again, Germany and Belgium have already issued statements saying the greens in Belgium. I, I read the story, what yesterday, or the day before issued a statement saying, we understand the need to come off our current position. The need to extend some of our nuclear reactors, the, the need to make other accommodations based on what's happened, based on events in Ukraine. Now, that's a Green Party spokesman in Belgium saying that, okay? That's, How it, can he say that? Climate change is an existential threat. If we don't solve it, by 2030, we're all going to die a miserable death. I'm not sure what happened in Belgium, but something did happen in it's Belgium. It's an existential threat, climate right. change. Exactly. This, this little fucking thing where we don't get heat this winter well we can live through that right and if you just buy an electric car it'll all be good so to me even so so a spokesman in belgium and even the germans right even one one, interesting driving from frankfurt down here uh southwest about an hour and a half outside of frankfurt is i mean you see you see gigantic and they used to manufacture these up in grand forks north dakota LM glass fiber, um, huge, huge wind turbines, and you see them. You know, uh, I won't say I won't say all over, but dotting the German landscape. Uh, like there's a lot of them. Uh, let me let me put it like that. So, but even the Germans are saying it, and so to me, what makes it so shitty about the policy that Tim's embracing by our current administration is. Is that it's staked out 
solely for political. It doesn't have anything to do with the best interests of the nation. Right now, what we're capable of and a logical progression to get to become more energy efficient. So let me, before uh, I do the military piece, Timmy, do you have a final defense of yourself for embracing Joe Biden's policy when you argued against him? Well, Mac, I, I, think, I think it's time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. <laughs> there you go. Nice. That's what I think. Thank you. Wait, say that you again. Recognize the quote, I hope. I think well, you don't recognize the quote, Kamala. do you? No. This is this is this was Kamala Harris as she was explaining Ukraine. Oh no it's wonder I don't recognize do it. What we have been doing, and that time is every day. Yeah, that was uh, last Monday. There you go. I almost said so that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth. Then so, that would anyway, have been. Thank God I didn't say that. Right. Thank God it, it is the stupidest thing, but it was a quote from somebody else. Thank God. <laughs> All right, let me let me just um, the last. I'll, I'll fill in for Jeff. Um, the last twenty four hours, uh, what's been amazing is the lack of operational news um, from quote unquote the front. Okay, um, so you look at you look at the major headlines, um, and so BBC headlines. On day 13 of the invasion, a ceasefire has been agreed to allow civilians to leave the city of Sumi. Uh, and Sumi is in, uh, if you look at the map of Ukraine, it is in the kind of the north uh, eastern corner. Um, to allow, and the town of Irpin near Kiev. Irpin is uh, northwest of Kiev. Okay, now, uh, but as Timmy said, um, standard for this kabuki dance is we agree to a corridor that you know that will take people to Russia or to Belarus, which the Ukrainians <laughs> you know flatly rejected, um, or we agree to a corridor, and as soon as you know w- things get moving, all of a sudden artillery rounds start dropping on the corridor, and and the whole thing uh, falls apart. Um, I saw one headline just before reading this. And it said that the um, uh, the ceasefire around Sumi had been holding for most of the day. Uh, next headline: Russian forces are believed to be preparing for an assault on Kiev. Now that's really going to be interesting. What does that look like? What will they do? Because as we've said, um, they do they do not seem to have the troop to task to be able to do that in any great measure. And so, to me. When you don't have that, then what you will do is you will selectively move into the city, right, uh, amid great fanfare because you have no, uh, you don't have the capability to do the whole thing. And that will be kind of a calling card. It will be a ruse, if you will, right, um, because you just don't have the ass, as we've talked about it, a Kiev, right? I mean, Kiev is a gigantic city, and there is not the Russian infantry men in that in that country to be able to do Kiev. They would take everybody to go do Kiev, and they don't have that there. So, so anyway, they're believed to be preparing for an assault on Kiev, uh, and then more than two million people have now fled the fighting from Ukraine. That is the extent of the BBC's operational headlines from day thirteen, and so really the fourth headline is is that. You know the activity has calmed down, and again, you see um, you see reports of uh, aircraft being shot down, right? You see um, other reports about 
the world is fascinated with this convoy that is not that has not moved in what the better part of a week, right? I I got some news on that too. Right. Um, and 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 then also there's a whole bunch of stuff coming out. Uh, what the director of national uh, intelligence and uh, director of the CIA both testified today in Washington D.C. So uh, in terms of estimate between what I, I think. Um, 2,000 and 5,000 Russian soldiers estimated dead, which is which is a pretty huge number. Um, also out of that, the U.S. believes a small number of Russian reconnaissance elements are starting street fighting inside Kiev, an effort to disrupt normal life, right? Um, <clears throat> so they think that the Russian reconnaissance elements could lay the groundwork for military operations in the city. Um, and then, hold on, there was one more thing I wanted to read. And according to U.S. officials, there is more than anecdotal evidence that some of Russia's more than 150,000 invading troops were told that they were going on a training exercise, Um, which is, uh, again, you read that and you're just like, holy shit, you know, (laughs) Um, holy shit. Uh, The other interesting thing, and there's not been a whole lot out on this today, is, uh, is the situation inside of Russia. Uh, which we said would be interesting as, again, banks are closed, stock markets closed, can't use visa transactions, can't use um, c- can't use MasterCard, cannot use American Express. So what do you do? How do you go buy food? Uh, your bank is closed. How do you go? How do you go? How do you do anything? And so and rest assured, the Chinese, you know, um, are in a very, very interesting spot relative to rescuing the Russians financially. And, you know, and what the world thinks of that if they give a shit. Right. So there will be a financial opportunity. You know, the whole Bitcoin thing, you see that constantly discussed. Will this, will this be the the large manifestation of Bitcoin in a real way that the world has never seen? But, but where will this financial energy in, yeah. inside of Russia go? So that's kind of an interesting thing to watch. But there's been not a whole lot of headlines coming out of Russia today. And so anyway, that's. Go ahead. Some things on those things in particular. Item one, I've seen articles that uh, uh, Chinese firms are looking real hard at buying up all the uh, Russian energy assets, particularly the ones that, that are getting abandoned by the West. So they're looking at this as a once-a-generation buying opportunity. Item two, uh, regarding Bitcoin and crypto, et cetera. So Coinbase is a big... Uh, crypto clearinghouse company in the U.S., they've been blocking transactions being made in Bitcoin from Russia. So Bitcoin is supposed to be uh, a private way of transacting business. But in a significant test of that, uh, companies that are able to control Bitcoin transactions are rejecting that. So that would tell me that Bitcoin... Uh, people are going to be less inclined to have Bitcoin. Item two is, you know, the advent of cryptocurrency is a continuation of this idea that we're going to end up being a cashless society. Uh, I think like in Sweden, cash transactions now are 10% of what they were 10 years ago. But I would suggest that if people start 
uh, rejecting the ability that, of people that hold Bitcoin to do transactions. And then you look at things like what happened in Canada, um, that people may start holding a lot more cash uh, than they used to, and not just you know the preppers of the world out there. If I was in Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, I would not have my, ma- my money in a bank right now. But what would, uh, or you, what would, you, what would you have it in? Would you have it in gold? Historically gold? I have it in euro. Uh, I mean, in those countries, I'd have it in euro or dollar. Right. Um, gotcha. Gold is a little bit harder to trot around. Right. You know? Uh, um, what else did I see here? Um, yeah, so, so the president banned all uh, imports of Russian energy, both refined and unrefined product. And so oil bounced like 7.5%. It's close to 130 now. It was about 80, 30, 40, 45 days ago. Um, and then, you know, I never I never look at Drudge Report, but I have in the last week or so yeah. just to pick up some different headlines. And I like his COVID tracker. So Vladimir Putin cured COVID, but according to Drudge, in the U.S., 70,000 cases of COVID today, one year ago today, 40,000. 1,600 U.S. deaths today due to COVID, 700 last year at this time. If the numbers are accurate, that's bizarre, isn't it? That we've declared. Almost twice the number of cases. We've declared More victory. than double the deaths. Right. Yeah. But it's obviously the science has gotten to the Democrat decision makers. Not the medical science, the political science. Yep. Um. They seem to be they, they seem to be acutely aware of of, of political science. Uh, yeah, the the threat of their imminent demise has gotten them to do some things. So, oh, and then the last thing, you know, I I think in the middle of your unhinged rant that I had to push back on over the weekend, both the transportation secretary and the vice president. Uh, have talked about, you know, electric vehicles being the solution. And Kamala Harris went as far as, you know, these trucks and buses are the biggest polluters. It wouldn't be great if we could just have electric trucks and buses. Um, I haven't pursued it real hard. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone out there that has suggested that the heavy truck fleet in the United States can be replaced by electric vehicles ever. Perhaps someone has, um, but it, you know, it just sort of proves the beltway insularity of people. Take it from someone who just drove 1200 miles in the last couple of days, uh, get out on I 70. I think you're outnumbered by trucks. The idea. And right now what's Tesla got a range 300 miles. So pulling a load, what, 50 or 100 or 300 times uh, with that Tesla engine pushing, what what could you expect for the uh, uh, the haul length? Uh, um, the idea that we're going to convert our heavy truck fleet into electric vehicles that require recharging every 100 miles is so beyond the realm of 
fantasy. It's 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 you know it's admirable. It's disgusting and yeah, that's admirable. And, you have uh, to admire that, that kind of delusional activity uh, in between somebody's ears. It's it's straight up yeah. something to marvel. If that person was in uniform, we'd look at each other and say she needs a piss test. Right. Right. Then we'd promote um, him. Then we'd promote him because as long as you're echoing the the thoughts of the the, the four star generals, and you're worthy of of that rank, so that would be the definition of a high functioning conformist. Look at that colonel; he's so spot on by channeling. Now, I, about about a year ago, I pointed out that it was a Victor Davis Hanson article that I was referring to. He taught at the Naval Academy. He had said it was the most liberal institution he'd ever been to. But there was some ungodly percentage, like 47, 48 percent of the thesis writers at the advanced uh, at the at the war, war college level were writing about climate change. That's the number one threat facing America. Number one threat. So that's I mean, the, the sure, Kool-Aid yeah. drinkers are there. They've been there for a long time. Yeah, and they're I getting mean, paid we, well. We, you know, we'll, we'll see in in. Uh, 2022, I think it's going to be pretty acute, and then 2024. And if if people continue to buy into this ideology, um, as the energy price doubles or triples, <laughs> then what what that's telling you is that's, it's literally time to to go off grid in Montana. You're surrounded by complete fucking wackos. That is not going to happen. The UK will phase out Russian oil imports by the end of the year, joining the US in shunning Russian crude. Oil prices are about are up seven percent today. Gasoline hit. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Four dollars and seventeen point three cents. A gallon, the most expensive it's ever been, according to AAA's coverage. And that's Man. average price in the U.S. Yeah. Four seventeen. Four four seventeen point three. Yeah, that's not where you live, Matt. Oh no, that's five. <laughs> I, I, I at the cheapest place I found it was five twenty. So that what that will tell you in is in Los Angeles, it will be over six, and in some um, unique intersections, it will be seven dollars a gallon. Yeah, you go up to Truckee and places like that, yeah. isolated. Yeah, sure. or 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 just the the more affluent parts of Los Angeles, right? Where you're on the corner of uh, yeah. Sepulveda and uh, Santa Monica, right? Seven fourteen a gallon in honor of Babe Ruth. Yeah, the head the the headline price in Ithaca, New York, is like uh, four thirty nine, and it's typically cheaper here, ten fifteen cents, than it is in Pennsylvania. When I came out of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Yesterday was four thirty nine, so it's you know four fifty nine. I'm sure in Pennsylvania, and Illinois is more expensive than that. So I'll see what it is in a week when I go back. Uh, Got it. Maybe I'll buy a Tesla between now and then. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll get, you can't buy those. They're at, they're they're way behind. Oh yeah. You, well, you could buy them. You'll just be on a waiting list. Well, so you can. But you you have that going for you. Um, what uh. In the last 24 hours, uh, anything uh, as a, across the range uh, break squelch for you, get your attention, Tim? I've got two things. The, the first is uh, a word which we used to know. Remember Rasputitsa? I think I'm saying that right. R-A-S-P-U-T-I-T-S-A. That was uh, a word that came up frequently that in, in German memoirs of World War II on the Eastern Front. That is the, basically the mud. 
which is exactly what you, Mac, were talking about long before this thing kicked out. You said he's got a window, got a window. before the place turns into mud he can't move. As we've noticed from the coverage, there doesn't appear to be a lot of ice. The rest, Rasputitsa season has, in fact, is upon the Ukraine. Now, what I'm reading, okay, this, this is coming from a from a blogger by the name of Trent Telenenko. I've got no idea who this guy is or where he's coming from. But what he has said is there's two things that are holding up this uh, the Russians right now. The first is all their trucks are outfitted with Chinese tires that will not go off-road, and they don't last very long, and they're getting eaten up. They're, 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 they're having huge tire problems. And the second is a good portion of where that 70-mile-long that, uh, that column stalled is on a floodplain, and the Ukrainians have opened up the floodgates and cut a center part. This is what, I, what he's reporting. Cut a good portion of that thing is right now underwater, and I'm looking at a picture that that is included with this post, which I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. I mean, to be perfectly honest to you, but it looks like a road that's that's uh, right next to the area that's being flooded out, and I'd like to think that that is true. So that's one thing to consider about uh, about this uh, uh, this stalled convoy, the lack of adequate tires, which is not plaguing the Ukrainians, and the fact that they were stalled long enough to get flooded out by locals who opened up the floodgates. The second thing was an interesting article in the Rusi Journal about the Russian Air Force, in which basically to sum it all up, Russian Air Force, they don't fly, practice, or do shit in anything other than two or four plane formations, at most four plane formations. And because of the limited number of hours their pilots have, period, in peacetime, along with the inability to train outside of a four plane section, which is, again, that's entry-level flying for our boys, four-plane sections, that this is why their their air campaign is such a dismal failure because they cannot integrate in, in, the, in their anti-air uh, assets with their air assets and have any kind of a complex um, campaign, something that, that we make look easy. And according to this article, within the first days, the Ukrainians uh, captured quite a few of their anti-air uh, assets with the code books, with the things still keyed into their IFF networks. So the Ukrainians have that intelligence that they've captured from the Russians, and that might explain why we see them doing so spectacularly well against what we thought was a much more formidable enemy. But but apparently this uh, the Russian Air Force, they don't have anything like red flag or those annual exercises that we do with our NATO allies, to give our NATO allies credit on that, and they don't seem to be able to put together any kind of a strike package that's outside of four planes controlled by a senior pilot who probably doesn't have the flight experience of an average lieutenant commander. So, again, just going by what I'm seeing, Rusi, by the way, is an is a old standby in the military community. They've got very good uh, reputation as far as their news and research. And so I would give this one report much more credence than the flooded out uh, uh, Russian column. But I like the sounds of flooding out the Russian column and making them just sit there in the flood water. I hope that's true, because that's exactly where they belong. And those are the two things that broke the most squash for me. Uh, how about you, Tim? Will? Anything in the last uh, 24 hours? Or, uh, 48 for you as you've been driving and uh, watching this yeah. uh, break squelch? Yeah. Item one, I got my tax re- rebate. took eight days. Interesting. Hmm. Right? Is that is that yeah. long or short, or is that good or bad? I th- thought it was really short there predict in uh, 21 days that, so, that sounds short yeah item two um 
in regards to this whole thing about energy, I'm, I'm, and this is completely domestically, I'm really interesting to, interested to see how this goes. There's going to be people saying, um, paying high prices is acceptable because it's the right thing to do. So there's going to be that narrative. Right. The other narrative is going to be we should not expand domestic energy production because climate is an existential threat. Uh, I, I want to see how that plays with the American people. Can those two policies live under, under, uh, under this reality, under the same tent? Yeah. Because that's what's, you're right, and that's exactly I, what's going to get sold. And then I want to see if it's bad to import Russian petroleum because Russia is bad. Right. To see how that gets leveraged by the people that are attempting to defend those in Tibet, um, Hong Kong, the Uyghurs, uh, etc. in our import you know, important from China. The difference is, you know, Russia is going to cost us in a short-term blip. China is a fundamental to our way of life now. But I just want to, I'm, I'm interested to see the hypocrisy that's going to come out. Exactly. Uh, and how, out of that. And the, the way but we the, get, the way we get our exacto knife out and begin to carve around yeah. that. So, so we can react like this in Russia, but for China, as Will, as Will laid out last week, you know, if Germany was was compromised relative to Russian gas and energy, right? What is the United States relative to to to, to China, right? A hundredfold that in terms of being compromised as a nation, and the discourse that happens on the backside of this. Watch what and, 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 and it'll, it'll start with Wall Street too, right? Because Wall Street is funding I, all of this. I I think that a lot of people they're going to be on this kick of um, it's. It's morally better to pay more. First of all, these are some of the most immoral people in the world. They're going to be politicians and Hollywood celebrities. Right. right. And second, again, it, it is irrelevant to them. And I'm telling you, while Mac thinks that I'm some sort of Midwestern tycoon, you know, I'm that, actually that is a, fact. a retiree. That's, that's I'm a retiree fact. on a fixed income. Right? Uh, that's what I am. But... Well, the I know, but Will, it's is... it's a gigantic fixed income. Okay, <laughs> truth, truth, well, truth be told, I mean, you're you everything you say is right. But if people knew what I knew about you as your financial <laughs> consultant, they would be throwing tomatoes at you right now. But hey, but for blue collar people, the idea that the elites again are going to lecture to them about their morals when. When gas creases six in L.A. and that two-worker family where the guy works in the warehouse and the lady's a freelancer cleaning houses and they got two kids and her mom watches the kids after school and they're running around in their nine-year-old pickup truck and their five-year-old Toyota Corolla uh, trying to make ends meet. And to be lectured that it's better to pay six dollars. I mean, yeah. we'll see if that shit flies. We'll see what and that looks does, like at the ballot box. Hey, right? That is, yeah. th- that's yeah. a complete lack of imagination. 
imagination on Will's part. I think we should have a let's stand with Ukraine, Ukraine week and turn off the electricity and heat and, and cooking. And, and then you just sit there and survive in your hovel. That would be a great thing. Here's to do. So backboard. How about if in the federal district of Washington, D.C. and the parts of northern Virginia that are taken over by the feds, how about if we implement that? Imagine if we shut the electricity <laughs> off in the Pentagon no. for a week. No, they're exempt I mean, from all this stuff. No, but hey, you save, think, uh, you think save about, $100 billion right there. Think, think about not having those computers go to work. Think about the OPT, right, in the president's office, right, president sitting there, right, the vice president, and, you know, all the mucky mucks. We have now faced the firing squad inward. Right. The, mm-hmm. These twin towers of our own policy are going to get us annihilated. It, it can't help but happen. Right. OK. So how long if we do this, that which we didn't want to do. Right. If we, if we do this, how long do we think this is going to last? Well, we're not sure, Mr. President. I mean, it could. Uh, for, first of all, my first blush would be well beyond uh, the November elections. Oh, shit. Right. Oh, shit. Okay, so where is the relief? Well, the relief will only come with a package that that facilitates these leases being worked. Right. Which you say you will not do. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're not doing that. Okay, that's the only relief in sight or or else OPEC OPEC decides that they want to be our friends now, which they won't. Okay. No, hell no. Right. So short of that. There is no wiggle room in the triangle. So we're, we, we face this firing squad inward, and this ass pain is going to go beyond the election, and we think this is going to work out well. No, we don't, but this is what we're doing anyway. And you, you okay, got it. Let's everybody slap the table. Let's do this, right? It's like what time? What time is it? That's what you want. What time is it? <laughs> I mean, can you, can you imagine walking out of that little stra- strategic meeting and you come home, you walk in the door? Right? She said that shit on a TV interview, bro. Well, you're, no, you're, you're, and you, 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 you walk through the door, and your, your wife looks at you and says, "So, how'd it go today?" And you're like, "We just, we just, we just, we just, we're going to get annihilated in the next election, and we just solidified it." Because we won't, we, we, we won't in any way, shape, or form open a window to reality and do what's necessary, right? We're going we're gonna to stand on folly. And it just must hey, be I, stunning in, in the, to walk out of a meeting like that knowing that you face that firing squad inward and now you're just going to, you know, you're going to, you know, play the emperor's new clothes and act like you didn't. So, anyway. And, and, I, and real quick, two, two tweets that just popped up because you can sit here and do this shit all day long. Things are changing one is the media expert from russia that says that procter and gamble's exit from the russian market is a blow to russians television ad revenue because procter and gamble were the top 10 ad buyers with tide pampers head and shoulders and let me tell you something you can be in the most desolate part of the northwest frontier of pakistan and you're going to find head and shoulders tide and pampers it's unbelievable how procter and gamble is like a worldwide thing and then right after that, at 10.45 a.m., it's announced our fearless leader is going to announce, quote, actions to continue to hold Russia accountable for its unprovoked and unjustified war on Ukraine. So I guess we have a nice television appearance to look forward to today. I say again, in reference to these two tweets, 
We should be making this about Putin et al. and not the Russian people. I'm not comfortable with that. I think this is going to be a bad move in, as, as, it, as it unwinds. But, but I hopefully I'm wrong. Well, in, in, the, in the spirit of William Tecumseh Sherman, I think you are wrong. So, and, uh, and Sherman, it is. Hey, hey, bro, if we were invading Russia to punish them, uh, I'd beat Tecumseh Sherman. I mean, I got no, I, I agree with him entirely, but this ain't that. And we're not involved in this. And we should try to do everything we can to stay the hell out of it. Because it's in nobody's best interest to expand this thing. Nobody's at all. Ukraine's seems to be handled on their own. It's got to make you feel really weird to be defending Joe Biden's policy statement, so doesn't it? I hate it. I, I hate it. That's why I want to go ahead and end with uh, reminding you what time it is, because it's the only <laughs> way I can I can defend his policy is by quoting the vice president to make me, you know, <laughs> to, to bring get, it back into some kind my, of... To get myself off the hook. All right, what are you looking... Equilibrium. <laughs> what, what are you looking for in the next 24 hours, Tim? I'm going to try to see if I can't find confirmation that, in fact, they did turn on the spigot and flood out that Russian column. I would love to to find out if that's true. The second thing I'm concentrating on is the continued resistance in the northern part of Ukraine from the Russian-speaking population against the Russian occupying forces. And and it, it appears, from what I'm reading, that grows daily, which is, again, this is not what you expect. So this is all good news. Um, and then I'll see whatever the hell the president has to say, because I'm sure I'll be uh, amused in a chagrined way. Got it. Amused in a chagrined yeah. way. That's good. Yeah. That's I, don't, little, I don't know if I strung that together right or not. It just, it's it was it's just a little syntax. William, how about you? First of all, when is the birthday party? Saturday. Saturday. Well, make sure you tell your mother that we send our best. Um, yeah. and a happy birthday. Um, the, um, yeah, what are you looking for in the next 24 hours? You know, it, it, it sort of struck me when we talked about the whole mud thing, and I do recall you talking about that like a month ago. I may actually spend some of my valuable time with my family here in upstate New York and try and do a little research on what has the weather been in the last week, and has it had a material impact on operations because now I'm sort of intrigued by that. And uh, uh, yeah, do you remember the do you remember the the, the it, scenes from the um, not only the the, the Germans uh, actually yeah. oh, it, absolutely it was more the Germans getting their asses kicked going out because w- when they went in, it's nothing but the Russian. Is it? Do you say step or step e? I call it step, step. Yeah, step. But but it is this rolling farmland. It's like Iowa for a bazillion miles. And you see, you know, German armored columns going in, going out with very different, right? It was you're seeing them try to drag their vehicles out of this mud from hell. And and that's what that's what we're and that's the time of year it is. It is the spring thaw and the fall water. They create this in epic mud in this part of the world, in this part of the world. I'm not that far from it as on a relative basis. I'm much closer than I was yesterday. Um, and, um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're closer to that than you are to freedom. So. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> the, um, and so you see it. Freedom and- starts somewhere west of Loudoun County, Virginia. <laughs> the, and, the, um, and then what Timmy said, right, would be – um, 
would be interesting in terms of, you know, yeah, the Russians' vehicles with Chinese tires and this transmission, they're not built, they're not built for that shit, right? It, take, it took the American Jeep, right? Something as Spartan like the Jeep to get through shit like that, right? Because it was light. Right. Yeah, that's what yeah. it took, right? Lend, lease, and, and us shipping all that shit over there. Uh, ultimately, simple, very durable, and, and really uh, world-changing vehicles built in this very Spartan, strong manner. And that is not what Timmy talked about in terms of the construction of the um, of the Russian fleet. And so to me, I think that the simple answer, when you see all those trucks parked, they're out of gas and broken down. That's, that's I mean, the <clears throat> once you get your crystal ball and your Ouija board out, right, and you, and you, and you light off the right sense in the room, and then the smoke clears, what you're left to is, is a really stupid answer. They're out of gas and they're broken? Yeah. And now you have the Ukrainians. And, and maybe they're out of gas, whacking them. out of gas, broken and underwater. That'd be fucking awesome. Yeah, that's. Uh, but again, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so you're gonna vote. You're gonna vote. Uh, you're gonna devote some of your time to that. Will that's interesting. I am. Yeah, you know, some just popped in my head. Um, so when we went into Iraq for OF two, right. Uh, the whole battalion's equipment had rolled up to Baghdad. Okay, hold on. Will, explain explain what you're talking about. So OIF-1 for everybody is the march up. So, Will, explain to everybody yeah. what you did. Yes. Yeah, so so OIF-2 is when we went back in February of 2004. So I'm, I'm thinking through this. The battalion took all their equipment to include stuff off of the maritime preposition ship mpf went all the way up to baghdad came all the way back loaded the mpf stuff back up and it went back on the mpf ships and then the battalion's equipment came home so then in uh eight nine months later we went back we picked up some mpf equipment and so we were in kuwait for like a week and then we went from there up to al-assad so actually north of baghdad and we probably had, uh, I believe that we blew one transmission, two engines in LAVs, and two, three, four trucks. Same thing. You know, major casualties, maintenance casualties. And, and I don't think that we suffered a maintenance casualty like that for the rest of the deployment. So on the initial movement, think the equipment has not really been exercised significantly for nine months. So on the initial movement, we suffered almost all of our significant maintenance casualties. Once we were moving every day, we didn't, you know, because you're doing maintenance and just operating heavy diesel equipment is actually good for it. Right. So I'm wondering if, if that might be part of this as well, their initial movement and figure, I would like to think that our professional force is a little bit better at first echelon operator maintenance than the Russian army is. So, so they're suffering some vehicle casualties, and then you've got to figure out how to um, extract or repair them 
which you never really train. You don't train how, how you're going to do something that far forward or bring it that far back. It just it's hard to simulate the distances uh, in training. And so I don't doubt that their logistics are just fucked up because most military logistics are fucked up until you really got to use them and exercise them. Uh, and then I don't doubt that they're having significant maintenance problem as well. So, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And then the question is, if if the Ukrainians are interdicting the supply lines because they're so long, that makes everything harder. Because what Will's talking about oh, is yeah. this is normal as you shake out, you know, your, you come out of this deep hibernation. Now you're going to operate on a regular basis. And for the parts to flow, you know, for the, um, you know, for to get the, all the mechanics and all the different less uh, echelons of maintenance to the right places. I mean, that's part of all shaking all this down. Well, if you can't, if you can't do that, then yeah, I think the technical word for it is you're fucked, right? Right. You can't do this. And now you, you have vehicles that you're abandoning because they're just, they won't function and you don't have the logistical support to be able to get contact teams, and yeah. what, what would they do? They would go work on them. They'd make some evaluation, and then you would and take you know something. Else. You'd take that, and you you oh. would you would tie it to another vehicle, you know, by towing bars and shit like that. And that's how you'd move it. You'd take it back someplace. That didn't happen. And then something else to think about. I, I I don't know if you remember Mac when when we were there. People talk about dog years. We sort of figured out that that a year in Iraq uh, was. Seven years of peacetime training, and so oh, shit. if you're if you're because part of it was the mileage you're driven, but also just the environment. And so if your peacetime logistical supply system is designed to provide you with one widget per year, and all of a sudden you need seven replacement widgets per year, it's just another burden. And again, that that was one of the great strengths of the U.S. military is our ability to ramp that thing up. Uh, so dramatically, um, you know, that could, that could be a, a big part of this problem. Um, so yeah, a lot of, you know, logistics is boring until it's your life. And then it's really, really interesting yeah, until it's your life, um, until it's your, literally your life, your life depends on it. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. still, I'm still interested yeah. on the, on the financial pieces of this. I mean, where does, where does the Russian economic, act energy go to right and so uh what creative forces will come together to give life to that financial energy and then and then how does the world uh react to that so i'm interested in in that and then again continuing to either confirm or deny this this narrative out there that the ukrainian army is fighting above its capabilities and the Russian army is fighting below its capabilities. So I'm curious, uh, those two things. And once again, after seeing almost 5,000, somewhere between four and 5,000 people arrested two days ago, um, that narrative has been absent from uh, any kind of reporting in Russia. So I'm, I'm kind of curious about that thing too. Um, how does Russia deal with dissent uh, internally and to what extent does that, uh, does uh, does that develop? So those three things: the, the economic piece, the financial piece, specifically, um, and, and and then I, I just find it uh, amusing 
the firing squad that's been assembled in turn and and asked and told to face inboard. What? Like, what do you mean? What are we yeah. doing? Right? We can't do this. Yeah. We can't. We've got to carve out some kind of peace. Oh no, no, no! We can't do that. Okay. Well, here's what we're going to get: annihilated at the ballot box by all these people that Will described a few minutes ago, right? That are just absolutely furious that we stuck to this nuanced, right? Uh, piece of our platform in an effort to placate a very small segment, right? We're gonna we're gonna lose like everything. So it'll, I, so I'm interested. A small segment called donors, which is even more of an insult to the average American, right? Yeah. Right, right. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, first of all, thank you for for your flexibility, Will. I appreciate. I apologize for falling asleep, but it happens. And uh, and I will uh, get you some times. Uh, I, I've got to do a couple things tomorrow. Uh, I'm over here. To, I'm going to speak three different times, so I'm excited about that. Um, what's uh, just a little blurb about what I'm doing here? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll do post traumatic winning for the U.S. Air Force, Europe, and Africa Command um, uh, Commanders course that they're putting that they run here out of Ramstein. They heard about the impact of this in the Pacific, which is very flattering for me, and uh, and the general's wife has seen it. I think I, I did it at the Air Force Academy at, a, at, at the Executive Officer Summit of the Air Force, a thing called Corona, and she was at that thing. So she evidently, I heard, is a, is a, is a big fan of this. So, but tomorrow I'll go hang out and, uh, and sit in maybe a couple of classes that they give the commanders and then, um, and then do my thing for the commanders on Thursday. And then on Friday they get to do it for a couple of large groups of uh, staff and COs which is uh which is honestly my favorite group to give it to because they're the critical element in all of this um uh very very interesting all right man we want some observations on what it's like to teach in the air force so that's got to be weird well you you want to know something everybody's i get introduced with these you know mac he's for marine and this is going to be pretty blunt and i'm like what do you mean (laughs) i'm like what are you talking about like you guys have never heard the f word before and they all start laughing and then the maintainers come up to me and say, Mac, we're the majority in, in the Air Force. Maintainers. Right? Uh, maintainers, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, that's the way we talk. So don't let these, don't let the rest of the Air Force, you know, wag the dog. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like all right, you're my people, man. If that's my audience, let's, ha- let's get after this. Um, but um, no, and, and, and the message is, uh, is, is, is that you can, you can solve this, but your staff NCOs are going to lead you out of this. Right, and you've got to empower them. You got to protect mm-hmm. them, and you've got to encourage them. Right, that that we we somehow other that which used to dominate, we somehow believe that we could outsource that, and and we're paying for it. So so uh, so no, I'm excited to do it. So anyway, all right. So God only knows what the next 24 hours will will uh, in, include. But um, again, thank you both for for hanging in there and doing this with us. I appreciate it. Oh, no worries, brother. Peter saying. hey let me tell you okay guess the first two restaurants i see in the frankfurt airport as i as i get off the plane i walk down the concourse i come down mcdonald's and dunkin donuts mcdonald's is one of them tgif friday no mcdonald's and pizza hut no kentucky fried chicken oh there you go (laughs) Yeah. Oh, which is Pizza Hut overseas? So. The number, yeah. the number one thing being smuggled underneath the Gaza Strip from from uh, Egypt, Kentucky Fried Chicken. 
Are you kidding? Said, Go out and have a schnitzel tonight with some spatzel. Oh, yeah. What is that? Have a schnitzel. What is it? A fried, it's a veal cutlet fried. It's wonderful. It's the food of Germany. Got it. Got a little bit of uh, red cabbage and some spatzel. All right. All right. That'll, hey. be, oh, yeah. that'll be on the menu. Just tell one of your German people. That's what you want. <laughs> what, yeah. what do you want? I don't know. What do you think I should have? I'll have this and this and this. They seem like nice hey, people. They're great people. But I was outside of Wiesbaden on, on New Year's Eve, as a matter of fact, and I started asking, could I sample the schnapps? Because they got gigantic schnapps machines with all these different kind of schnapps. That's a mistake. Don't do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> that was not smart. Well, what did that but lead, what did that lead to? That led to a, a, a need for a lot of water the following morning and a vicious fucking headache. And uh, but you know, I was by myself, so I didn't do anything untold. I'm I'm a I'm a very pleasant and funny inebriated person. And um, so I uh, I just woke up with a headache and nothing worse than that. But boy, is that your you get, <laughs> is that your you up on you real quick, man? Is that your take on you inebriated, or would the, would most people say? That? But that's my that, well, I was by I was by myself, so I can have my own take. There's nobody that can refute this particular story, my friend. Got it. But, got uh, it, got it. yeah, I'm All just right. warning you because it didn't take very many schnapps samples to find out I, I was having problems standing up. I mean, that shit will kill you. Or maybe it was me. I was, what was I, 21 then? 22? Uh, shit, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was, that was, that, that was a few years ago. I'm, I'm sorry you even brought that up. No, a different century. Yeah, yeah. now I'm going to start, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start tearing up. All right, boys. Thank you. <laughs> See you. Bye, Matt. Take care, Matt. That'll do it on a Tuesday. Uh, my thanks to uh, Will and Tim for hanging in there with me as I fell asleep. My apologies for Jeffrey for kind of leaving him out to dry. So hopefully we'll get Jeff on tomorrow. And we can all uh, do this in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, pretty interesting. You know, and, and to me, in the last few minutes since they've kind of left the broadcast, the thing I'd be curious to know is, so if you were the President of the United States or the President's National Security Advisor, what would your course of action be for the nation? Right, And, I mean, I believe that the instruments of national power ought to be used to the greatest extent we can, keeping the nation out of war, to diminish, in the short term, it would certainly be Russia. But I think my real target as the President of the United States is seeing beyond this event my real target by what we're doing is China. That's my target. They, we face a greater challenge from them than we do with Russia. So we will stay out of the war. We will do everything we can to support the Ukrainian fight for freedom because that's what we do as Americans. And we will try to exact a huge price from China by forcing them to lay in the bed that they've made for themselves. And then we will attempt to exploit economically, 
politically and militarily, right, this incredible series of events that has allowed us to, you know, turn the page on Afghanistan, in particular our departure from Afghanistan, much quicker than I would have thought otherwise would have happened. But my aim in all this, my strategic aim for the nation, right, those crosshairs are on China. And we will use this event to diminish them, to bolster the the world, the rules-based order that we support in this world. And to that end, we we have incredible opportunities in front of us. What the Germans have said, what the Japanese have said, all amazing things. So again, maybe I'll, I'll email that question. Your strategic vision for the nation, what would it be? And I would, I would tell the American people we have to make sacrifices here. Right? We've done it before in our history. Right? And I, and I believe I, as the president, if I'm Joe Biden, um, it's kind of akin to George Bush raising taxes after he said read my lips no new taxes alright for the good of the nation I will turn my part my, my back on that pledge because here's the path I would lay out for you I'm going to ask you to do this alright I'm going to sign legislation that the congress has enacted that will give oil producers a minimum of 10 years to recoup the investments that we need to make in the short term to create more petroleum in the nation. I see that as necessary. And I will also incentivize this to see if we can and it's a it's a, it's a hypothesis to see if we can create the infrastructure that maybe someday we can rely on and that, w- that it can be affordable. Because if it cannot be affordable, then it's useless to us. Anyway, so I think that'd be interesting. Their strategic thoughts. How do you, what do you ask of the American people? What is your ultimate aim to get the United States to a greater place? So. And uh, which now I have that in my head, I, you know, I need to call Grant and get him on. So um, thanks for listening. I'm Mike McNamara for the first time broadcasting from Ramstein Air Base. This is, you know, I mean, and I, I will just tell you for my friends that I, I served with in Afghanistan. I mean, Landstuhl was a special place for us. I mean, the angels uh, that worked up here that used to help our Marines and sailors and soldiers that we would send up here so broken up that the, and the miracles that they did up here, um, God bless them. And so it's kind of sacred ground for me anyway to be here at this place that I used to read about, Landstuhl, where they would do such amazing things, you know, most of the time. And so, uh, yeah, so, uh, and again, as a kid who studied history, to be in Germany, to be driving down, um, the Autobahn, right, that I read about, 
to uh, to look at the German landscape, which is really good tank country, rolling hills and whatnot, and it's a beautiful country. Um, but to see the names Nuremberg, right? Um, Frankfurt, Cologne, right? So you see these names on signs, and you're like, "Holy shit! Holy shit!" So uh, really excited to be here. But you know, again, this week. Most excited to uh, have an opportunity to spread the gospel of we can we can turn this whole narrative of destructive behavior and suicide we can turn that around. It's completely doable, and I've seen it done. And uh, I know the Second Marine Air Wing is up operating in Norway right now, but um, Second Marine Air Wing has has been amazing. The stuff they've done, and they've actually taken a greater step. They've linked greater mental fitness to operational excellence in a way that it hasn't been linked before. Here at the four, we're just trying to get those numbers to go down, right? Because they're awful, and we need to get those numbers to go down. But what they've shown everybody is that, holy shit, man. Holy shit. There's a way that you can do this. There's a way that you can do it. And so, anyway, um, on that note, the music's done. I'm Mike McNamara, and this is All Marine Radio. On a Tuesday, I am out.